0: From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Thomas, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. Whether you are a nurse practitioner student or NP faculty, education is rewarding. As each new semester begins, there are new opportunities and perhaps a few challenges. For example, how do you juggle school, work, and family? What tools can every adult learner and educator utilize to stay focused and motivated? I'm so excited to speak with today's guest, AANP fellow, Dr. Paula Tucker. Paula is a clinical associate professor and the director of the ENP program at Emory University. She was an NP for many years before pivoting to a more academic role. Paula holds a DNP and is currently pursuing her PhD. I'm looking forward to hearing Paula's perspective on how we all can find balance and joy as lifelong learners. Welcome to NP Pulse, Paula.
1: Hi, Sophia. It is a pleasure to be able to share this opportunity with you today. Well, I think we're going to have a great conversation. And I know you're a clinical associate
0: professor and interim director of the Emergency Nurse Practitioner Program at the Emory University nell Hodgson Woodruff School of Nursing, and you're
1: practicing um, as well. Where is Emory? So currently, Emory University is in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, great. Tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I would be delighted to. So I've been practicing as an NP, I would say for close to maybe 15 years. My path towards becoming nurse practitioner, so I had the privilege of completing Emory's Emergency Nurse Practitioner Program. Mm -hmm. So after completing the uh, EMP program, I made a pivotal decision to venture into nephrology. And this was primarily driven by my pursuit uh, for work-life balance. At the time, I had young children, and the idea of a more structured nine-to-five work schedule without weekends was very attractive. And so despite the shift in my professional focus, I had a background as a dialysis nurse, and that really proved to be invaluable um, when caring for the complex patient population as it relates to uh, nephrology care. During this period, I was able to balance responsibilities that ranged between caring for hospitalized patients with acute renal-related conditions, and then even seeing patients in the clinic, and then making rounds in the dialysis units. So as time went on, I found myself experiencing burnout. And this is a common challenge uh, among healthcare providers. And it was during this period that I reached out to a trusted mentor and expressed my desire for greater fulfillment and impact in my nursing career. And her immediate recommendation was that I go back to get my doctorate in nursing practice and to consider a career in academia. Well, I was really intrigued by that possibility and I wasted no time. And I applied to Vanderbilt University where I was accepted and I subsequently completed my DNP degree. And I will say, Sophia, that this decision was a turning point for me because it was at that time where my purpose in life became undeniably clear. So while pursuing my DNP degree, I also sought a position in the emergency department as a nurse practitioner. So I worked at nights and on the weekends, and then during the week, I went to school. And, you know, while this was challenging for me, because I was not only a mother of two young children, but I had to manage my school load. And this was demanding, but it was necessary in providing arrangements to manage my financial responsibilities. So while completing my DMP degree, I connected with another mentor of mine who encouraged me to explore the world of research. And this led me to completing a postdoctoral program that specifically focused in quality improvement and implementation science. This program was the VA Quality Scholars, which is an advanced fellowship program that provides a structured curriculum that focuses on healthcare quality and patient safety, Quality improvement and even implementation science. This program also offered me the opportunity to lead projects that ultimately improved patient outcomes within the VA health system. So during this time, my passion for research really began to take root. I had opportunities to collaborate with researchers from diverse disciplines. Like my first project was working alongside a vascular surgeon. And so I was able to take those skills that I learned and apply them into the clinical setting. So that role of the DNP, who's the translational research, really, really was brought forth during this time. And those skills allowed me to make meaningful contributions uh, in the field of healthcare. And then after completing the fellowship, I took a significant step and I applied for a faculty position at Amber University. And when I tell you I was so thrilled to be a part of such an amazing and elite faculty. And even today, I'm still dedicated to teaching graduate nursing students uh, in this role. I was offered the opportunity to also work alongside emergency medicine researchers in the field of traumatic brain injury during that time. And so my field of research began to grow and I developed a love for it. But interestingly, my journey didn't stop there. My passion for research led me to return back to school to get my PhD in nursing. And often people will ask or inquire about, you know, why are you going back to get a PhD when you have a DNP? And I'm quick to explain that these are distinct degrees with different trajectories. So my motivation for pursuing the PhD was really rooted in the desire to develop the skills that were necessary to create new knowledge, you know, apply research methodologies to address those pertinent questions that we often find ourselves asking in clinical practice, and to evaluate the effectiveness of the interventions that we do at the bedside. This unique perspective allows me to bridge that gap between translating research into practice, which is the hallmark of the DMP degree, right, and role, and pioneering novel research as a nurse PhD scientist. So, my journey as a PhD student has been so fulfilling and I'm eagerly anticipating the culmination of this academic pursuit in 2024 fingers crossed
0: Wow that has been just an amazing journey and you are you know clearly a lifelong learner and a lot of people you know consider becoming educators after they've been practicing for a number of years a lot of people as you said are experiencing burnout and want to get a change or a shift or or realize they have more to give and i truly believe that um, getting a dnp people say you know it changes the way you think and you know i truly believe that it did for me certainly it, it, it impacts your to your entire life not just clinically in the way you look at patients and practice but you know i think life in general would you say that this phd journey has given you
1: additional insight or, changing the way you think like the DNP did? Absolutely. Completely different roles, completely different methodologies and approaches to research. You know, my DNP, I would, I still would have gotten a DNP if I had to make the choice, which one would you've gotten first? My DNP, because it allowed me to have the perspective of how the healthcare system works, this whole system dynamics as it relates to the patient, really being able to Disseminate that knowledge, being able to translate the practice that we do, and being able to see outcomes um, at a quicker pace. You know, research takes time, right? So, being able to test those interventions and evaluate those interventions and have that patient interaction and, and getting the patient perspective, that is the role of the DNP. And I think it is valuable, highly, highly valuable uh, in healthcare.
0: Absolutely. And so with more people, you know, deciding to become educators, what do you think is drawing nurse practitioners now to seek that role of becoming an educator?
1: Oh, that's an excellent question. When I think about my journey, becoming an educator, really, it was a conscious and purposeful decision for me. And I do believe that um, many nurse practitioners are naturally drawn to education, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have many different reasons. They vary, right? But MPs have seen firsthand the challenges and opportunities within healthcare. I think coming out of COVID, you know, we we experienced a lot of burnout. We saw that the healthcare system was broken, and we realized that you know there are other roles that we can play in order to stay uh, active in our roles, like education. Uh, many feel a sense of responsibility to pass that knowledge to the next generation of practitioners. Absolutely. You know, when I think about my decision to transition into education, it was driven by a combination of personal and professional factors. And I think that's what drives NPs into the academic setting. That work-life balance is one. After gaining that valuable experience as a nurse practitioner, particularly when I worked in nephrology and emergency medicine, I felt this strong pull to share my knowledge and expertise with the next generation of healthcare professionals. Teaching for me provides a unique platform to influence and shape the future of nursing and healthcare. And I feel like I'm being able to give back. And the idea of preparing future NPs to excel in their roles, um, provide exceptional patient care and making a positive impact on healthcare outcomes just really resonates deeply with me. And I think that's the driving factors for a lot of NPs who are coming into education, there are others, but I, I definitely think those are the keys. You know, I agree with
0: everything you just said, and for me, I have certainly considered going into academia as well because I, you know, I've, having practiced for twenty seven years, I still love precepting, and I feel like my students are sometimes a blank canvas. I can really share what is not in the textbooks, right? You know, you you learn so much through practice and um, your just knowledge of the. The patient and disease processes, and not everything is written in a textbook. Right. So you need good educators who are invested in the future of healthcare and good high quality outcomes. And there are so many opportunities out there. We need as many nurse educators as we can to meet the healthcare demands that are we know in the future the healthcare shortages, nursing shortages, nurse practitioner shortages, primary care, as well as specialty care shortages. So we have to educate. Are, are young to take care of
1: us in the future. Yes. And I do want to highlight too, Sophia, that, you know, as NPs, we possess strong communication and interpersonal skills, which I believe are essential attributes for to being an effective educator. Um, and so over the years, we, we, we have interacted with patients. That's why our patients love us, right? We have that great patient provider dynamic. And MPs are well-suited for the role of the education. And I think, you know, providing that clear communication and that ability to connect with students is is so important. Absolutely. We all remember what it was like when we were students. And, and you're right.
0: We educate our patients. We have that holistic approach. We spend sometimes a little bit too much time with them, you know, which sometimes puts us behind in our schedule, which doesn't help with the whole burnout situation. But you want to make sure that your patient's understand their disease process and, diagnose and uh, diagnoses and understand their medications, et cetera. So we are naturally, as nurses, as caregivers, uh, those that want to give back, we're naturally driven to want to be sure that our education is thorough. Now, when you know school is starting up again right now, we've got people going back to school, you mentioned work-life balance, which I know was a challenge for me Um, When I was, you know, a long time ago, become a nurse practitioner, and this is back when um, all the schools were brick and mortar. So I was actually driving three and a half hours to go to uh, class for the week and then, you know, driving back home and having small children. It's a challenge. What, What would you say to anyone thinking about going back to school to either become a nurse practitioner or, you know, considering getting their DNP or PhD? How can we in this Whole world of burnout now. How can we advise them on keeping a good work life balance and and you know certainly keeping their mental health in a healthy way?
1: Yes, oh that's a great question. You know, going back to school, especially for the adult learner who's juggling multiple responsibilities, can indeed be a challenging endeavor. And as someone who wears many hats, I have an established career. I'm a mother, mother of three beautiful and active children. I'm a graduate student and someone who values spending time with family and friends. I've learned some lessons on really maintaining a healthy work life school balance. That's what I call it now, right? So my advice would be to intentionally prioritize your life. And what I mean by that is really understanding that balance is not about doing everything at once but about making conscious choices about what is most important at that time. It's about being intentional in terms of integrating self-care into that routine from the onset, right? So I often think about my life as a triage system, similar to how we prioritize patients in the emergency department. So I determine what requires my emergent, urgent, and even regular attention at that given time. So this approach is really what helps me to manage tasks effectively without feeling overwhelmed. And I also believe being organized and having a system in place is vital. So I recommend maintaining a running prioritized list each day and working and a working calendar for the month, you know, looking at those tasks and identifying those that require immediate attention, those that are urgent and those that can be scheduled for later. And so this not only keeps you organized but it also provides the high level overview of your life okay and then also you have to have hard stops in your day right this is key to your mental health oh wow hard stops hard stops that's right i can't do that <laughs> yes you have to commit to integrating time into your schedule with your family you know if that looks like spending time with your children Um, Nurturing relationships with friends. You know, these are scheduled social breaks that will ensure and maintain a healthy work-life balance. And then those boundaries around your time. At at some point in the day, you have to shut down and you have to prioritize your rest. So whether that is getting adequate sleep or just simply disconnecting from your phone and email, these moments of self-care are critical for recharging your energy. And I cannot state this enough never underestimate the importance of self-care whether that's regular exercise maintaining a well-balanced diet ensuring that you're getting the appropriate amount of sleep these are cornerstones to maintaining you know your physical and mental well-being which in turn will enable you to excel in all aspects of your life so that's my advice dr tucker's life lessons well i tell you
0: what honestly we do a great job uh taking care of our patients as as nurse practitioners and nurses in general um i you know i always equilibrate it to a mom moms take care of everybody else first and we leave ourselves last and so having that that caretaking philosophy in ourselves we do tend to take care of everything else first and we neglect self-care, I think, as healthcare care providers in general. So those are great, great words of advice to give to people that are thinking about becoming students and organizing their lives. I hope people took notes for that. So what about people going into education, those individuals that say, uh, clinical practice, I, I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm getting burned out. I still have so much to give. I want to teach the future nurse practitioners out there. What advice would you give To those people, and I'm sure some people make common mistakes when they go into education. They may have one thought of what it's going to be like, and it's completely different. So describe that for me. What is that like, making that
1: shift? So entering academia, uh, particularly coming out of clinical practice or even in that transition period, it's an exciting transition, but, you know, it's not without its challenges. And some common mistakes that I believe MPs might make when stepping into the world of education really re- revolve around these misconceptions and unrealistic expectations, right? So I think one of the biggest ones underestimating the time commitment. There's a considerable amount of time that is required for teaching. You have to build curriculum. You have to develop innovative ways to engage the student and. Sometimes we assume that transitioning into education will automatically provide this more predictable schedule, but the reality is that academia demands dedicated time and effort. Also, NPs who enter academia might inadvertently neglect their own continuing education, so it's crucial to stay current in your clinical practice. If you can maintain a clinical practice, that is important, and then also education around teaching methodologies to provide students so that you can facilitate high quality education and eminence in teaching. It's essential to recognize that the classroom environment is very dynamic and it may take time to really see the fruits of your labor. So you have to be patient with yourself and patient with the student. You know, understanding the classroom environment can be unpredictable and students may have varying degrees of need and learning style. So, I think you have to keep that at the forefront as well. And then another pitfall that, you know, I noticed is failing to seek mentorship and guidance from experienced educators. This can really hinder that transition into academia. So, getting that mentorship really provides valuable insights into effective teaching strategies so you have someone that you can, you know, say, "Hey, what works? What doesn't work?" You know, show me how to navigate this space of academia and, and how do I promote career growth? And then building a network of mentors also is beneficial in this space of academia as well. Oh, I agree.
0: I think um, everybody needs a mentor and you need mentors in different parts of your life, in different parts of your career. I'm sure you have mentored many people.
1: Um, who were some of your mentors? Who were the ones that made the biggest impact on your life? You know, that mentor-mentee relationship holds a very special place in my heart. It has been a cornerstone of my own career development, and I've had the privilege of both being mentored and mentoring others. So I see the power behind mentorship. Early in my transition, I had a mentor. At the time, she was the EMP program director. So when I was in that program, she was my director. And she guided me through those critical decisions that shaped my academic and professional path. She was the one that encouraged me to pursue my DNP degree, return to clinical practice, and ultimately join Emory University faculty. And it was her mentorship that opened those doors and provided clarity that I needed to really align my career and aspirations. And so today I see it my responsibility and a privilege to pay it forward by mentoring other NPs. So I currently have two formal mentors, but I also consider the students that I teach as part of that mentorship journey as well. So, you know, that mentor-mentee relationship is powerful. It, It changes the trajectory of your career path. It accelerates, you know, growth for you. And it really makes you accountable as you are moving along this path of being an educator, being a clinician, and even just an just being available to get that feedback that you need um, at that point in time to really grow in in your, your area. I
0: agree. You know, one of the greatest mentors for me just it, it made me feel like I had someone that believed in my potential, she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself and became a mentor for me and pushed me and reassured me. I cried on her shoulder, uh, we laughed, and she ended up putting me at my, my DNP graduation. It was lovely and I cherish that mentor-mentee relationship. And we as nurse practitioners have formal and informal mentor-mentee relationships all the time. In a way, we're mentors to our students as well. You know, we may be their preceptors, but we're also mentoring them. And, you know, the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, the fellows, actually have a mentor program. That's a great resource for any nurse practitioner that wants to pair up with another nurse practitioner to be mentored in a specific area or for a specific project. So I know the American Association of Nurse Practitioners really tries to encourage mentorship as much as possible
1: you know Sophia, i you mentioned something that really really triggered on my heart my mentors provided a safe space for me Uh and as you mentioned you know getting that advice sharing your challenges even when i was going through my transition in clinical practice from nephrology to emergency care that was a challenge for me and i reached out to my mentor and that mentor mentee relationship is about passing the torch of knowledge and creating a legacy. Yep. It's about changing the world one mentee at a time and leaving a lasting impact on the next generation of healthcare professionals. It is. Um, So let me ask you this, you know,
0: as an educator, has AANP helped you in any way as, as an educator? And do you see any resources that we have as an association
1: that you feel are most valuable for your students? Absolutely, AANP has been an invaluable resource in my journey as an educator and a clinician. And you know, what I love about AANP is that it's dedicated to improving patient care and advancing NP practice, and it provides a wealth of resources that not only benefit the clinician but it benefits students as well. And so I encourage my students to join AANP uh, as a student member. Because, you know, there is spart- particularly even the educational core of AANP. It has, you know, a treasure of resources for educators and students. You know, you can get your CE credits, your continuing education credits through attending conferences, whether that is in person or online. These opportunities also allow educators like me to stay, you know, updated on current practice trends, uh, what are the current evidence-based guidelines and the latest developments in healthcare. So perhaps one of the most valuable aspects for students is the opportunity to become a member of AANP. Student membership, like I said, has a wealth of resources. There's research publications, there's practice guidelines, opportunities to network. And even as you mentioned, those mentorship programs are also important as well. So I'm so encouraged by what AANP has to offer to the NP community abroad. Yeah, I agree. And also- uh, we've got great resources for preceptors, too.
0: So for people that want to really learn and understand what it's, what a preceptor's role is, um, tips and guidance, um, there's so much. So when you talk about that mentor-mentee relationship, I think of preceptors as well. And so there are those resources. I know just this year, AAMP has launched a new student-focused tool set called SET. Have you had the opportunity
1: to utilize this yet? absolutely and i think it is phenomenal um the student education and training right the set tool this is unique because it's not only for instructors but also for students and it's really focused on a resource for students and it's designed to really enhance education and training so i think it's a great opportunity to supplement the curriculum that i'm teaching and i've encouraged my students to not only join as an aamp member but also take advantage of these resources because they cover a wide range of topics um, from clinical skills to professional development and even leadership competencies. And so as an educator, I found these resources to be highly beneficial in supplementing the education that I'm providing to my NP students. So it is a wonderful platform lots of advantages it's flexible easy to use easy to navigate and there are even some opportunities to obtain certificates of completion which can serve as a a documentation for additional training and even benefit students in their future careers so this is a valuable tool for instructors like myself and it also complements my curriculum it's accessible provides high quality resources to enhance the student's education and training and I'm really fortunate to be able to take part in in this uh, AANP-SET platform. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm sure the certificates that the students can earn also look great on a CV. Absolutely. Absolutely. So part of that valuable documentation that I often, you know, encourage my students to to keep so that they can show when they go in for job interviews and, and even as part of their portfolio.
0: Yeah, well, these days, the job market is so competitive. And so anything that can give somebody an edge up over the other candidate is is definitely beneficial. And so I think that's an important thing. And we'll put a link to the set tools in the podcast link. Dr. Tucker, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today as an expert educator, obviously, an expert student having earned so many degrees. And we're looking forward to your 2024 uh, PhD. So we will call you Dr. Dr. Tucker. So I appreciate you taking the time to join us
1: here on NP Pulse. Thank you so much for having me. And it was a pleasure to, to be able to share.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Paula. And thank you to all who are listening. AANP has valuable resources for students and faculty. If you're a faculty or a preceptor, complete the AANP Educational Leadership Certificate course in the AANP CE Center to earn 11 contact hours of continuing education credit and gain the insights needed to advance your career. As a reminder, you may also be interested in exploring the new AANP Student Education and Training Library and sharing this resource with your students. AANP SET activities are available at no charge to AANP student members. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, Be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner.